I don't wanna be just someone that's new. I speak my mind so free, so you could hear the truth. Yeah, no. Hello and welcome back to the Truth For Youth podcast with Micah Murphy. Today we're starting a new series. We're going to talk about cults and world religions. And if you've seen the title, then you know today's topic is Jehovah's Witnesses. But before I get into today's particular religion, what exactly is a cult? How is that defined? Because I know there's different definitions or different thoughts when you hear the word cult. So I'm going to tell you what Webster defines cult as. A religion regarded as unorthodox or spurious. In other words, like a false religion is another way of saying that. Or something that is kind of strange or bizarre compared to what what is normal, which I don't even know what normal is these days. But uh, at least it used to be anything outside of Christianity a lot of times during the Christian culture Anything opposed to that was considered a cult, anything outside of that. So I'm titling this Cults and World Religions. So if you want to think of it as a cult, as in a gathering, um, I know that word is thrown around loosely. People that are involved in certain fitness organizations are considered cults, or you may have a cult following with a specific sports team. You know, so that word's thrown around a lot. So anyways, Cults and World Religions. And we're going to go through multiple um, religions. The largest ones that most people here on earth are participating in. Uh, I'm doing this because I want people to have some clarity when they, because a lot of times we'll hear something about another religion, whether it be Mormon or Jehovah's Witness or Islam or, you know, Buddhist or Hindu, and we're not sure what we think. We, we, we've heard bits and pieces, and, and so my purpose of doing this is to help educate now, here's my disclaimer. I am not a world religion expert, okay? I do not know all the ins and outs and the details of these religions that we're going to be talking about in this series. I have studied several of them in pretty great depth. I've had some seminary classes on them. I've read some books on them. I've heard professors and even former members of these religions talk about it and tell details that maybe on surface level, you don't ever really get to hear. So that's the purpose of this, is kind of dig a little bit deeper and talk a little bit about some of the things that maybe aren't so known to everyone. But on that same breath, I'm going to say we're not doing a comprehensive study on these religions. I mean, literally, we could do multiple weeks of each religion. So I'm just going to hit the highs. I'm going to hit the highlights. Uh, My goal for these series is what I plan on doing is telling you a little bit about the history, a little bit about the background of the the particular religion, like how it got started or where it got started. Um, Usually there's one specific important member or founder or person that it kind of revolves around. Okay, so we'll talk about that person. And then the key beliefs. Obviously, that's the important thing. Like, what are the key beliefs? What do these religions believe in? Um, And their thoughts about eternal life. Or, or at the afterlife, I should say, you know, what happens after death, because I think that's what everybody thinks about at some point. Um, you know, what happens when we die? You know, surely, you know, if, if this just this life, then what's after this life? Okay, so those are the those are the things that we're going to talk about as we go through this study of world religions. 
All right, so Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, some of you have probably already had an encounter with a Jehovah's Witness, or if you have not, perhaps your parents have. Um, I was just trying to think the other day. I don't know the last time that I had an encounter with a Jehovah's Witness. It's probably been at least a year. Uh, obviously, with COVID uh, and, and the pandemic, you know, that's limited a lot of social contact and, and obviously the social distancing. Um, years ago, they were known to go door to door. And as even neighborhoods, I think, have gotten stricter, you know, obviously soliciting and kind of going door to door is not really as acceptable maybe as a long time ago. It maybe obviously depends on the neighborhood and where you live. You know, some houses are a lot easier easier um, to approach than others, so maybe that's part of it. Um, but the last two encounters that I had with a Jehovah's Witness was just actually out and about um, in, in parking lots of public shopping places, and in both cases, they handed me a pamphlet, and they never said they were Jehovah's Witnesses, and in fact, I would not have known they were Jehovah's Witnesses had I not really dug a little bit and known already some information about Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, I remember one pamphlet, it was talking about school safety, and it was talking about, you know, hey, you want to protect your children and all this stuff. And and I thought at first, like, oh, this is, this is kind of neat. This is interesting, you know, just, you know, interested in protecting our children at school. And so I was kind of reading through it. And, you know, and then when I get to the bottom or the backside, I see it was published by the Watchtower, and it was like, you know, contact us for more information on, I don't know, other stuff. And because I knew what the Watchtower was, I knew where that pamphlet came from, Jehovah's Witnesses. So that that kind of is a little intro into Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, so let's let's get into it a little bit. What exactly is this religion? Where did it come from? How did it get started? It, it's kind of got a complicated past, okay? So I'm not going to go into all the great detail. It wasn't like just one guy started it from scratch. It was kind of like multiple things kind of happening and evolving, and then a couple guys taking it, and then one guy kind of running with it a little bit more. So here's kind of the abbreviated uh, uh, history of it. Now, Jehovah's Witnesses will say that it's the most ancient religious group of worshipers of the true God. They actually believe Adam's son, Abel, was the very first Jehovah's Witness, and that Jesus' disciples were all Jehovah's Witnesses. Not sure the rationing and the reasoning behind that, but that's, that's the belief there. And then they say, um, or at least people outside of the organization will say, this is where it came from. They trace it back to 1816, there was a Baptist preacher by the name of William Miller who began proclaiming Christ would return in March of 1843. Now, the proclamation got Miller a following of approximately 50,000 people. They were interested in this end times or this return of Christ. Well, Miller later had to do some recalculating, and he moved the date to March of 1844. Well, then he had to move it again to October of 1844. Well, guess what? No Jesus returning, and that date came and went, so most of his followers faded away. And then after his death in 1849, some of his followers, they kept his movement alive. 
and they kind of form these different sects or these different groups of people, all right? And a couple of those were the Seventh-day Adventists. Have, perhaps you've heard of those, or the Second Adventist groups. Now, if you don't know what Advent is, I actually did a podcast on Advent um, right around Christmas time. Advent, the word, actually means the coming. And so when we talk about that in, in the Christian or religious you know, theme, that's usually referring to Jesus, the coming of Jesus. So as a Christian, we believe the first Advent is the birth of Christ. And then the second Advent would be the second coming of Christ, which has not happened yet, right? That's the return of Christ. So these these followers kind of broke up into these various groups. And again, one of those being the second Adventist group, which again would be kind of waiting on the return of Jesus, right? So of that second Adventist group, um, something got formed, and it was called the Watchtower Movement. Now that word is going to be important as we go. I'm going to hop back into it in just a second. But let's talk about the key individual. His name is Charles Taze Russell, and he was born in 1852 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Now, Russell's parents, they were very religious. Uh, They were very devout Presbyterian in their belief, and so Charles grew up with the same belief as the Presbyterian beliefs, and his mother was kind of the spiritual leader of the home, really encouraged him in his Christian beliefs and wanted him to pursue Christian ministry. Well, she died when he was only nine years of age. And after that, his kind of Christian ministry push anyways died out. His father did not push him to do that. His father was a businessman, and so his father wanted him to come into business with him and actually made him a business partner at the age of 15 um, in their like clothing business. So he just kind of jumped into the business world. However, Charles was still very interested in religion, and so he kind of continued to pursue religion. Well, his father started getting a lot more liberal in his beliefs, in his religious beliefs, and they started going to various uh, other churches. Well, long story short, things kind of, you know, started kind of getting a little bit more liberal in their belief system. Well, at some point, Charles got to the to a situation where he was witnessing to an individual and the topic of hell got brought up and this individual really made Charles rethink this thought of hell. And the more Charles thought about it, the more he didn't like the thought of hell and this eternal separation from God. So he decided to, that that must be wrong. He, he did not like that thought and just couldn't grasp how a loving God could potentially send people to to hell. So he started kind of abandoning that, and he started kind of looking for other individuals that kind of had the same thought process. And, of course, there's multiple people in his life that um, kind of helped persuade him in, in this belief system, and, and he started kind of following some of these people um, kind of throughout this. Well, they, there was this publication— called Zion's Watchtower in 1878, and he kind of helped start this publication. Um, But again, long, complicated story. There was some conflict, some disagreements, some, some arguments happening. But ultimately, this publication talked about how there is no hell, and there's multiple ways to receive 
salvation. Um, the publication took off, and several various congregations grasped it, and they used it, and thus the religion began to grow and to grow. Well, then they had to predict another coming of Christ, because that didn't happen. So they predicted it was coming again in 1878. And they said, this is for sure, right? This is the day Christ is coming. Well, that date came and passed as well. And obviously, nothing really came about, right? So... As, as it kind of continues, Charles is kind of having to readjust, you know, some of these predictions, and, and he continues to go on and, and, and preach this and believe this, and the Watchtower grows as a publication, and they're selling just bukus and bukus of, of publications. Well, it kind of turns more into almost an organization in and of itself. So here are the key beliefs, okay? This is, this is kind of the key components to Jehovah's Witnesses. First of all, they're going to say that the only true Bible is the New World Translation. Now, this is their translation of the Bible and how it's been adjusted and translated to make it fit what they want to fit, right? Some of those topics that they didn't like, like hell, they tweaked those to where that's really non-existent. Um, and they say that is the supreme. They also say that the Watchtower is really the only people that have the authority and the, the blessing, essentially, uh, to be able to interpret Scripture properly. So no other Jehovah's Witness really understands the Bible, even their version of the Bible, unless the Watchtower explains it to them and tells them. Interesting. Also, Jehovah's Witnesses consider themselves as the only Christians. No other denomination or world religion or, or religion or cult, whatever you want to say, is considered Christians. They are the only true Christians. But here's what they believe about Jesus. They do believe in Jesus, but not the same Jesus that we as followers of Jesus believe. They believe that he was a created being by God and that he's actually the archangel Michael. So he is not God. Uh, he is not part of the Trinity. He, he's not always been in existence. He is a created being. Basically, he's an angel. Um, but they still you know, give him some benefits, I, I guess, as far as coming and, you know, living and dying on the cross, but that's not full deity, that, that he wasn't fully able to do all that. All right, so kind of along those same lines, they do not believe in the Trinity, okay? They only believe in God. They believe, again, Jesus was a created being, basically like an angel, and as far as the Holy Spirit, they say, oh, that's just a force that God uses. So, so no Trinity. Where do they believe salvation? They believe salvation comes through multiple uh, things that you have to do. One being faith in Christ. Okay, so you do have to believe in, in Jesus. Um, the second is Bible study through the Watchtower. Okay, so remember, you can't study a normal Bible. It has to be the specific version and it has to be through what the Watchtower is telling you and how they're explaining it. 
Um, the third is obedience. You have to obey. They have pretty strict rules and regulations. And um, for instance, you you cannot have blood transfusions. You cannot accept organs um, from from somebody else. Like if you were to, uh, you know, be into a get in a car wreck and you need. Uh, an organ or blood transfusion, they say you must accept death over getting blood transfusion. And I remember there has been some big controversies over children that have needed either blood transfusions or organs and the parents being Jehovah's Witnesses refusing that and kids ultimately dying because of it. And that's been a, that's been uh, whew, obviously big controversy, so, but they believe that you can't do that. So, so if you're trying to adhere to Jehovah's Witnesses, that is something that you're not allowed to do. They also believe that um, you cannot celebrate birthdays or holidays. They believe that is wrong. So not even a card. You can't even send a card on a birthday, like absolutely zero celebration. Um, you cannot wear a cross. They don't like the symbol of a cross. Uh, they don't use the symbol of a cross. They believe public involvement is, is wrong, so you're not allowed to be involved in politics in any form or fashion because they believe world governments are from Satan. <laughs> I used to laugh at this, but now I'm beginning to wonder with all the things that have gone on uh, here of recent that maybe they're on to something with that one, but... Uh, but no, so absolutely zero involvement in world governments. And you cannot participate in the military. They believe that, you know, the only army, I guess, is, is Jehovah's army. Um, so zero that, which also means no saluting of a flag. You absolutely cannot pledge the allegiance of, of the American flag or any flag of that matter. Um, that's completely off limits. And you cannot possess nor even read any material that opposes their beliefs. So they cannot even read a regular Bible. It's off limits. They can't own one. They can't possess one. They can't even read one. Zero. Doing any of these, you can be brought before a committee and you can be what they call disfellowshipped, meaning you basically get kicked out of the club um, for e any one of these. So you have a very strict set of rules to adhere to when you're a Jehovah's Witness. They also believe, as far as heaven, that there's a body of Christ that get to go to heaven. And that body of Christ is 144,000. And that number they get from the book of Revelation because that number is talked about. However, they are interpreting it as that is basically the only ones to get to go to heaven. That is the body of Christ, they say. So the first 144,000 Jehovah's Witnesses are the only ones getting into heaven. And guess what? That number's already been reached. It was reached in 1935. So anybody that became a Jehovah's Witness after those numbers and after 1935, you're just shooting for second best. Um, they call the second best the great crowd. So that's what you hope to be in. You hope to be in the second 
uh, the second wave and this great crowd. And, and what their hope is, is that you just get to live forever on earth in flesh form. So no heaven, you know, no spiritual body, no, none of that. It's just you're living here on earth forever in your flesh. Obviously, like I said before, there, there is no belief in hell because they believe if you're not a Jehovah's Witness that you just cease to exist. There, there is no punishment. There is no hell. Um, Charles also predicted, okay, we were talking about the predictions, all these predictions of Jesus coming back. He predicted the rapture would be in 1881. Okay, so all these years later, he finally said, okay, no, no, no. We may have messed up before, and I know Miller and these other guys messed up, but no, okay, the, the, the actual one is going to be 1881. Well, guess what? It didn't happen in 1881. So then he changed it to 1914. He said, 1914, that is the date, right? Well, guess what? That didn't happen either. So then he believed, okay, well, Armageddon, the end of the world, right? Everything's going to end in 1918 well the last time i checked we're in the year 2021 as the recording of this podcast and the world's still happening right uh and actually charles didn't even live to see 1918 he died before that but anyways after 1914 happened he uh he, he tried to do some recalculating you know he tried to figure out well you know what what maybe happened and and so anyways, ultimately, they came up with this theory that, oh, Jesus really did return in 1914, but it was an invisible return. Oh, oh, that's what it was. That's why we didn't see it. So he invisibly returned. Don't you think there would have been a, some mass chaos or something happening if, if Jesus returned even invisible? But, okay, so that's what they're going with. That's their story now. They're constantly having to adjust, right, because all these dates are missed. Well, he ultimately died in 1916 again. So he got to see 1914. Nothing happened. Uh, so then they predicted Armageddon 1918. Well, he died in 1916. He died from some health issues, and he was on a train traveling when he passed away. So, you know, nothing real special about his death. Not much of a, of a heroic death, if you will. So that's, that's kind of the basis of Jehovah's Witnesses. That's kind of the highlights. That's, that's kind of the main facts, the main belief systems. And, and obviously, you know, there's, there's some problems there. There's major issues. All these predictions of the end times and of Jesus' return and then it not happening, that's, that's pretty bizarre. Um, first of all, the Bible says that no one knows the return of Christ. No one knows. So for them to proclaim that they knew... Obviously, they didn't know, and they missed all these dates, and they're constantly readjusting and making excuses. Well, the Bible also talks about prophets, and guess what? A prophet has to be right 100% of the time to be considered a true prophet. Prophet can't go 9 out of 10 times on their prophecies, right? Like, that doesn't work. They have to be 100%. That's what the Bible says. So anybody that prophesies something, that says something's going to happen or predicts the end times and it doesn't happen, guess what? They are not a prophet from God. They may be a prophet, <laughs> but they're not a prophet from God. 
So anyways, lots of issues obviously there, but I wanted you to hear the basis of that. Um, that's their beliefs. That's what they believe in. So now the next time you have a conversation with the Jehovah's Witness, maybe you have a little bit more information, a little bit more ammunition that you can hold a better conversation with them because they're not going to tell you all these details. I promise you, uh, from my conversations with Jehovah's Witnesses, they keep it very surface level and they make you believe that they're just like you. If you claim to be a Christian, um, except for they may bring up th this fact of the Trinity and um, how that's not in the Bible. So anyways, guys, I hope that helps you in just understanding a little bit about Jehovah's Witnesses. And again, maybe your future encounters, go back and listen to this podcast again, you know, maybe bookmark it at some point so that you can refresh your mind, especially after we get through all these religions, you're going to be probably like confusing some of them because I still do it at times. I may get Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses, some of the intricacies of them mixed up at times. So it's good to refresh yourself every once in a while. But guys, again, I thank you for listening to the podcast. Appreciate your love, support. And as always, if you're finding value, please, please share the podcast and leave a review. It means the world to me. And if you stay to the end, hopefully that means you get some value out of it. All right, guys, we'll catch you next week. Until then, hope you have a blessed week. Bye-bye. Speak my mind so free, so you could hear the truth. Yeah, I know that we.